Good evening, everyone. Glad that you all are here tonight. In Revelation chapter 2, verse 4, Jesus said to the church in Ephesus, Nevertheless, I have this against you, because you, you've left your first love. I would like to welcome you all here this evening as we consider the subject tonight, relighting our passion for Jesus. This evening, I would like to specifically talk to my brothers and sisters in Christ, my brothers and sisters right here at the Anchorage Congregation. My question to you, questions to you tonight, first is your passion for Christ, what it once was. Do you have that zeal and that desire that you really want to have in your life? Is that passion there that you once had so long ago? I want you to open your Bibles tonight as we look at God's plan for relighting our passion again for Christ. Paul gives us a beautiful, a beautiful pattern for relighting and keeping that fire for Christ burning. Notice the words of Philippians chapter 3, starting at verse 12, where it says, Not that I've already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Now maybe, maybe at times in your life, you have found yourself in a rut spiritually, or your life is not as passionate or as on fire for the Lord as you ought to be or as it ought to be. The Lord found this same problem in one of the seven churches there in Asia Minor. In Revelations 2-4, Jesus said, he's telling them, I've got a problem with you. I've got a problem with this congregation in, in Ephesus. And here it is. You have left your first love. Now, with Ephesus, this is a congregation that seemingly had a whole lot to give up. When you read Acts chapter 19, you will read that they burned their magic books. They left their association and familiarity with the temple Diana. And for a good while, for, for a good little while, the word of God was growing and it was multiplying in the city. But it seems like there's always a but with us. Not just with them. Somewhere along the way, they got stagnant. Somewhere along the way, they, they got in a rut. They were just going through the motions. And so Jesus says, you've left your first love. Whatever that was that allowed them to stay in that love, that first love, whatever it was their love for evangelism, their love for worshiping God, their love and patience for their brothers and sisters in Christ or, or their love for the daily, their daily living for Christ. Whatever it had been, they had let that love fade. So I ask you here, brothers and sisters, here in the congregation, I say this to you. If we're not careful, we today can also have that same problem. And somebody sitting here right now, somebody sitting here today or someone online may be right there already. I want you to think about when you first obeyed the gospel. When you first became a Christian, 
when you really made that initial commitment to Christ. Think about that. Think about that day. Now think about where you are at today as compared to then. Think about that. Are you all, are you all as on fire and as passionate and as energetic for the Lord as you once were? If not, it may be very well the case that you need to relight your passion for serving Jesus. Well, how do we do that? You know, I, I love that the Bible, that God's word warns us about things, but then God also gives us solutions. Paul gives us a pattern for keeping that fire for Christ aflame, like it ought to be. First and foremost, turn back to Philippians chapter 3. If you're going to serve God and have a true passion you must have a holy dissatisfaction with yourself and where you are spiritually. Paul said in Philippians 3.12, not that I have already attained or am already perfected. I want you to stop and think, think about that right now. It's like Paul is saying, I haven't arrived. You, you ever heard that? You've heard that, that thought, that, that saying, I haven't arrived. That's what he's essentially saying there. I'm not perfected. I'm not there yet. Now, if one of the greatest servants of God said, I'm not where I want to be yet, then we ought to have that same attitude of never reaching the point where, where you can say, yeah, this is, this is where I need to be as a Christian. I'm good right here where I'm at. No, Paul didn't say that. In fact, Paul had seen a lot more than I had and you had. The same apostle Paul, who later in his life said in First uh, Timothy four seven, "I've fought the good fight, I've finished the race, I've kept the faith. In the future, there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness." Paul could say, "I haven't attained, I haven't arrived yet." Then, brothers and sisters, you need to have a holy dissatisfaction with yourself. Now, I'm not saying. And hear me when I say this. I'm not saying you can't have good uh, self-esteem. I'm not saying that you can't be happy with the progress you've made in your secular life. But what I am saying is don't get satisfied. And sometimes we do. We get satisfied where we're at because things look so great. Don't get apathetic. You know, don't have that attitude that I don't care. If it happens, it happens. Whatever happens, as long as I'm all right. Don't sit on your laurels and say, this is where I need to be as a Christian. I'm at the point I've always wanted to be. I can stop right here and really be happy with where I am now. You know, I'm, I'm thinking about when we studied first and second Kings, first and second Chronicles, and we were thinking about, um, talking about Hezekiah and how Hezekiah let all those folks come in from Babylon to see everything he had. Not knowing that these were the same folks that were going to capture his own family later on once he was gone. And when he was told about that, you know what he said? Well, I'm all right, right? It's, it's, loans is, I'm going to be all right. That's how we get, and we shouldn't get like that. Because what we do today affects folks all down the line from us. Christianity is a forward progress and growth at all stages. The status quo in Christianity, it just won't do and just won't work. Turn to Second Peter 3.18. You should never reach a point in your Christian walk where you can say, I've arrived. This is where I need to be. I'm, I'm, I'm it. 
as a Christian now. Look at me. This is this is what you need to be looking at. No, that's that's not the idea. Second Peter three eighteen says, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That word grow in, in this verse um, is a continual sense or in a continual sense in the New Testament. It's a forward progress looking word, meaning that as I grow, I continue to grow. As I grow, I continue to grow. I never stop growing until I breathe my last. That's the idea. First Peter 2, 2 says, but as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word that we may grow thereby. We want to continue to have that idea of growing and never being happy with where we are always. I don't mean that we are just sad. Well, I can't ever get better. I can't. I'm never going to be where God would have me to be. Don't get satisfied with where you're at. Always be seeking to grow. It's kind of like when you're working out or maybe you're someone that's trying to lose weight or maybe somebody that's trying to, to build muscle. What if you say you, you got you have a goal and say you're running and you have a goal of just running a mile. You know how long that's going to be. You know from here to there where you're going to go. And then you, you step out your house, you go down your driveway and you go, OK, that's it. And you do that every time. You're never going to grow. You're never going to get, you, you're trying to run a mile and you never, you never get to that point because you just go, I'm good. I'm good. How are you going to, um, going to do with building muscle or losing weight or reaching your goals? If you ever stop and think you're, you're really where you ought to be, you just kind of watch yourself go backwards. If you're not going forward, you're surely not standing still. You're going in the opposite direction, ever so slowly, spiritually. So as Christians, Philippians 3.10, so as Christians, we have to think like Paul, who was still striving to know the Lord. When he said in Philippians 3.10, I want to know him and the power of his resurrection. Now, if Paul was still striving to grow closer to Christ and know him, how much more than for us today? This is why Paul could say in Philippians 4, 4, as he he thought about all the struggles and difficulties that were in his life, he said, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice because Paul never stopped growing. He never reached a point where he was satisfied with himself. Now, as we consider having a holy dissatisfaction with, with self, let me mention some areas practically where we could surely maintain that idea. For example, we can never reach a point where we say to ourselves, you know, I think I know the Bible about as well as I need to. Jesus said in Matthew 4, 4, man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. It is not by food that we are to live spiritually. It's by the word of God. How many days a week do you eat? Every day, don't you? Every day. And we complain if we don't get something to eat between breakfast and lunch. Right? Well, 2 Timothy 2.15 says, Study to show yourself approved unto God. 1 Peter 3.15 says, Be ready always to give an answer. Brothers and sisters, you've got to grow in the word of God every day. Every day. You can't do either of these things, growing and studying and always being able to give an answer if you are not in God's word. 
bringing the Bible with you on Sunday or waiting for the scripture to show up on the wall behind me or Tony should not be the only time you consider the word what the word says. And so when you think about areas that you need to improve in spiritually, you ought to want to improve your knowledge in the almighty word of God. You should never say to yourself, you know, I believe I pray enough already. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, pray without, you know what it says, ceasing. That's right. Pray without ceasing. Luke 18, 1, Jesus said, men ought to pray always. And never lose heart. The psalmist said, I cry unto you daily. Psalm 86.3. These are, I'm not making this up. I'm showing you what God's word is saying. This is what God is saying to us. He wants us to talk to him daily. Not just when we get an itch or something bad happens or I don't know, maybe I just say something over my food. He wants us to talk to him all the time. You should always be striving to improve your prayer life, to draw near to God, and to approach the throne of God to find help in time of need. Hebrews 4.16. If you turn over to Galatians 6.10, we will realize that we ought to never reach a point where we can say, I've done enough good and been benevolent enough in my community. No. The Bible says in, there in Galatians 6.10, do unto all, do good unto all men especially those of the household of faith. Let's not grow lax. Let's not grow slack in doing good as the scripture so clearly teaches us in 2 Thessalonians 3.13. You know, as a Christian, one of the areas for sure that you don't want to have an attitude of, I'm where I need to be and I've, I've arrived, is when it comes to the work of the church. Sometimes I think if, if we're not careful, as one grows and matures, and especially when one ages in life, you may get to a point where you start to believe yourself when you say, I've done enough work in the church. This is you talking to yourself. It's time to let somebody else do the work. Man, don't get me wrong. I understand that age and other physical abilities or lack thereof may not let you do as much as you might uh, be able to have done before now. But do not ever reach a point where you say, I think I'll retire from the work. I'm, I'm 60, I'm 65, I'm 70 years old. I think I'll retire from the work of the church and let some of these young people do it. Don't do that because some of the young people not doing it. That's not the attitude. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15, 58, be steadfast, immovable, always about. You, you have to read the scripture like that, y'all. Don't, don't just read through it. It says be steadfast. Consider what that means immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain. And then another area in which you need to remove yourself and let God use you is with spreading the gospel. You want to have a holy dissatisfaction with yourself and that you can never say, I've talked to enough people today, this week. I've talked to enough people in my life about the gospel. I'm done. Let somebody else do it. Jesus once said in Mark 16, 15, go into all the world, teach the gospel to every creature. Now, personally, I, I've never come nowhere close to that. Have you? No, you haven't. I answered that for you. But as Christians, 
All of us in this room and those of you all there online should have a strong desire to do that. You need to realize that there is always, always a, di- a dire need to preach and teach the gospel. This ought to be our ever forward-looking goal. Philip, uh, excuse me, First Peter two nine says, "But you are a chosen generation." We read this this morning. A royal priesthood, a holy nation, His own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of Him who calls you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Don't you want to tell somebody about that? You need to tell somebody about it. Don't don't worry about what they think. Tell them about it because they are lost. Tell them because you were lost at one time too. Aren't you glad somebody told you? We ought to have the attitude of Paul in Colossians 1.28 where he says, Him we preach, warning every man, teaching every man that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. How many times he has to say every man for us to get it? We need to tell everybody. Now, as you think about this first idea of having a holy dissatisfaction with yourself in regards to where you are spiritually in Christ, look at Paul's next statement in Philippians 3. If you're going to have a true passion for serving Christ, you have to have a wholehearted devotion to the Lord. Philippians 3.13 says, Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, Paul says. But one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, reaching for those things which are ahead. Paul would say, I press toward the prize. What is it that you, you can do to have a true passion for serving Christ? Have a wholehearted devotion for him. Listen again to Paul's words. This thing, this one thing I do. This one thing I do. I think too many times we get too many things going on at once. You have all these things that are that are pulling at you, don't you? And you're going in so many different directions that you really can't focus on the one thing that is necessary. Did you ever notice, though, the emphasis on the word one in the scriptures? The Lord our God is one, Deuteronomy 6, 5. Jesus said to the rich young ruler in Mark 10, 21, one thing you lack. Luke 10, 44, Jesus speaking to Martha said, there is one thing that is needful. John 9, 25, the blind man said, this one thing I know. The psalmist in the long ago said, one thing I desire, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord forever. We are to be of one mind, according to 2 Corinthians 13, 11. We're to be of one heart and one soul, Acts 4, 32. Now, all of these, these scriptures, these passages teach us we need to have a wholehearted devotion, a single-minded focus to really serve the Lord. So what is your devotion to the Lord right now? I'm asking you, but ask yourself, what's or, or where is my devotion right now? Where is it? You don't need to tell me. You tell the Lord. How committed are you to serving him? Matthew 6.33 says, seek first. Ah, that's right. I know you know it. We all know it. But we have to do it. Luke 14.33 warns us that we need to make sure that we serve God and put his calls First, you cannot get devoted and you shouldn't get devoted to so many things in your life and still think that God will come first in your life. 
What's the one thing you should want to put before all else? Matthew twenty two thirty seven says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. This is the first and greatest commandment. There are so many different things we're trying to do in our short little bitty lives. We got technology, so many media outlets. There's so much going on in our lives. There's so many people trying to tell us what to do on Instagram, Facebook, Twitch, Twitter, CNN, Fox, MSNBC. Um, what's the one in, in Britain? Uh, B, BBC. Um, I don't know. I'm trying to get all of them. So many people. And, and then us trying to tell us what to do. And we don't even go to God's word to see what he wants us to do. That's where we should start first. There's so much going on in our lives and sometimes maybe in our children's lives that it's so easy to get spread so thin that you meet yourself coming and going. And I was typing this out immediately as I, I typed it. I was thought, thinking about when I was a kid, I can remember uh, the old Dunkin' Donuts commercials where the, the baker, I didn't know what to call him. I guess he's a baker or a donut maker or whatever. Uh, baker, I guess, yeah. Um, we get up, he, he's waking up, got to make the donuts. He's waking up saying that. Got to make the donuts, put on his uniform, put his hat on, and he's going and he opens the door and he goes out and the door opens. I got to make, he's saying it as he's coming back home, I got to make the donuts. And he goes and lays down, he gets back up, got to make the donuts. Before you know it, he sees himself coming and going. He opens the door and there he is right there. Do you ever feel that way? You ever feel like, wait a minute, today is Sunday? We just started the weekend. It's Monday already. I got so, uh, it's summertime. We only got this a little bit of time to do stuff. And, and I got so much to do that we forget about our Lord. We don't sometimes do it consciously, but we do it. And we need to catch ourselves when we do that and get back straight, get back right with the Lord. Brothers and sisters, sometimes you got to clear your plate. You must really look at your priorities. You know, I was, even even me saying that just now, I remember my grandfather saying, my mom's dad would, would say, your eyes are bigger than your, than your stomach. Don't put so much on your plate or you're not going to be able to eat it all. And he, he's right. He was right. I say he's right. He's, he's long gone, but it's still right. We can do that in our, our lives where we don't make any room for spirituality. You must really look at your priorities. You have to refocus on what's important. And we all must do this so that we could really have that wholehearted devotion to serving the Lord. First Corinthians 735 says it informs us that we want to serve the Lord without distraction. Get those distractions out of the way. We, we spoke about that in the Bible class this morning. Do not be double minded as James 1 8 teaches. Do your best to serve God with a wholehearted devotion. Now, not only as a Christian must you have a holy dissatisfaction with yourself, not only must you have a wholehearted devotion to the Lord, one thing you have to have is an upward direction of, in life. When I was writing this, I thought about what we, what the kids saying, prayers go up as the blessings come down. We got to continue to pray to the Lord, to talk to him, and the blessings will be showered upon us. Notice Philippians 3.13 again. Paul says in verse 13, Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended. But one thing I do, 
forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Notice again what Paul says, reaching forward to those things which are ahead. There's Paul's upward direction in life. What is it that you can do so that you can help yourself to stay truly focused, to really have that passion for Jesus that you should have? You have to remember that as a child of God, brothers and sisters, you have an upward direction in your goal. As Paul would say to the church in Colossae, you have to, what the sister said during the, um, during the, the ladies' uh, retreat, look up. You have to look up. If then you were raised with Christ, Colossians 3.1, seek those things which are above, where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. He's above, so stop looking down. Stop looking down and get so caught up in this world. You know, when I was thinking about it, I didn't bring it with me, but a lot of times we're looking down and we get upset with what we see. Y'all know what I mean? We look down because I can't believe this is happening in the world. Oh, this is going on. I can't, I don't know what, why, why, why is the world being this way? It's because it's the world. You should not be surprised. We should not be surprised. Yeah, it might anger us. It might frustrate us. It might make us feel all types of things. But it's the world. We should be looking down into God's word and seeing what God's word says. Don't get so caught up in it and, and, uh, and the anxieties and difficulties and the trials that we often face. If you were raised in Christ or with Christ, and you were, if you're a member of, a member of the body, seek those things which are above. Look up, raise up your head and look to the joy and the hope of heaven that all Christians should have. That's where, that's where we're going, aren't we? Well, that's where I'm going. That's where we're going, aren't we? Yes, I want to go to heaven. Come on, y'all. Y'all got to get with it now. We want to go to heaven, don't we? Yeah, amen. Revelation 21, 4 tells us that it is a place where God will wipe away every tear from their eyes, from our eyes, where no more sorrow, no more death, no more pain, no more crying. All the former things have passed away. Think about, think about all the grief and sorrow and pain and death and problems and, and, and no joy and, and whatever it is that brings you so much pain in this life that will not exist in heaven. I thank God for that. I look forward to that. I know it scares us sometimes to think about, well, if we're alive when Jesus comes back, is this going to be, I don't know. I mean, it's, I don't, I don't, it's gonna be something that I, we can't even explain to one. I won't be able to talk to you tomorrow about it though. I'm gonna be up there. Right? And I'm, I'm glad to know that Jesus left to prepare, prepare a place for us. And if he went to go prepare a place for us, we need to be a prepared people. When you look up, when you look up, begin to realize, I've got something I really need to live for. I've got a goal that I need to keep working for, and I need to do my best to stay focused on serving Jesus. There's a lot of uh, competition out there, though, to pull you away from him. It really is. And uh, like we've been studying about in First Peter, remember that we are sojourners. We're pilgrims. Our souls are not going to stay here forever. We have, a, we have a place, again, that's prepared for us. But we have to do our part here on earth. 
We have to look up, continue to keep looking to God, praying to God. Just always be talking to him about everything in your life. Everything. Everything that you don't tell your your wife or your husband, your children, your mom or your dad. Everything. Everything. Talk to him about everything. Give it over to him. He knows already, so why are you trying to hide it from him? Just tell him. Give it over to him. Paul would say in Romans 8.18, I consider the sufferings of this present world are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Philippians 3.13, and part of looking up as Paul teaches us, reaching for those things which are ahead, you also have to let go. Now James was taking my lesson this morning. I was listening to him. I was like, come on, James. Okay, go somewhere else now. But that's all right. You know why? You know why? Because the word isn't changing. So that's all right. We, we, we repeat the same thing. I just, just so happy we went sitting together writing this. But when Philippians 13, 313 says again, brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended. One thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. Part of looking up means you have to stop looking back. You've got to let go of the things that may burden you from time to time. All of us, all of us of an accountable age have a past and sin. All of us. No one in here is perfect. All of us sin. Every single one of us. A-L-L means all of us. I'm just trying to get that point across. Because if you're sitting here thinking that you have no sins in your life, and I don't think there's anyone thinking that, but just in case, all of us have sinned. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, according to Romans 3.23. And you know if Paul could learn to let go, I surely can and you surely can. Paul was there at the stoning of Stephen. He was holding the accuser's coats in Acts 7. He was wrecking havoc on the church in Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 9, he's ready to drag men and women to prison. You know, he was ready. Had those other men with him, I'm ready to go. I'm going to go down there and get done. And boom, Jesus. Jesus like, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting the church? Saul was like, uh, who are you? You know, we need that in our lives, don't we? Well, guess what? God, Jesus is not going to stop us on the road like that. That's why we got his word. We got his entire word. That should stop us in our tracks. A lot of times people say, I don't know what the Lord's will is. It's not hard to figure out. It, it really isn't. Because you get that feeling. You know what I'm talking about. Should I be doing this? No, you should probably shouldn't. Talk to God about it. All right? That's a whole nother lesson, though. Paul had done terrible things, damaging and blaspheming against the cause of Christ. 1 Timothy 1, 12-14. And yet, if Paul, who had done harm to the church, harm to Christians, had imprisoned them, he, he was even leading some to death. He could, if he could learn to let go of the things that he did in the past so that he can serve the Lord, you got to do the same thing. Y'all hear me? We got to do the same thing. Let go of that stuff. God already has. James told us that this morning. God already has. He's let go of it. So you need to let go of it. Let it go. Just, just leave it back there. And when it, when that old man tries to creep back on, kick him back and say, no, God's on my side. What can man do to me? Right? You know sometimes in this life, I I, I think that sometimes we just can't learn to let go of the past. 
I want you to listen to the words of, of Hebrews 8.12. Because I don't want you to take my words for it. But I, I believe that just as any other passage, this should help us to learn to let go of the past. Hebrews 8.12 says, or God says, I'll be merciful to their sins and their lawless deeds I'll remember no more. Listen carefully. If God can forgive and God can forget, you need to forgive. As James said, yeah, we may not forget other things that we did, but don't allow those things that we remember to drag us down. A lot of those things that we remember, I remember how I used to be. I'm so glad, glad God saved me. I'm so glad God has mercy upon me. I'm so glad God had given so much grace. Because those things, what I used to be, yeah, look where I used to be. And look where I am now. Don't get satisfied, though. Remember what I just said. Don't get satisfied. Keep moving forward. Keep moving forward. You need to put that past behind you. And then, Hebrews 12, 1, you have to lay aside every weight. And the sin that does so easily ensnare us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. So far we've noticed three steps. As we think about striving to really have that passion of Jesus, for Jesus. We have to say to ourselves, I have not reached a point. I have not reached where I need to be. I've got to have a holy dissatisfaction with myself. I've got to remove my stuff out of the way and let God We have to have a single-minded focus, and we have to have that upward direction in mind. And fourthly, you have to have an inward determination to never take your eyes off the goal. Back in Philippians 3.14, Paul says, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. You've got to have something to be determined about. You've got to have that inward determination. I press, Paul says. And the word press in, in the Greek language is a very unique word. It's a word that means to, to struggle. It's a word that means to do great physical battle. It's a word that describes being pushed to your limits and going beyond that almost. Now, I don't profess to be a runner per se. But I do know a little bit of things about running. Some of you all in here run marathons. More power to you. I will never join you. Just want you to know that. But I have read about there comes a time when you're running. Get to the 18th, 19th, I can't even frame my 19th mile. And you hit a wall. An old troop of mine told me she was running um, in in the Disney marathon. And she said, she was running from Epcot, and she started running, and she kept looking back, and Epcot was still right there in the same place. She said it never, it just seemed like it never moved. And you get to a certain point where you got to turn around because you're running back to Epcot, and she said it just seemed like I was never getting there, and I just felt like I'm going to just give up. My lungs are burning, and my, my muscles are aching, and I just, uh, you know, I'm, it just hurts. But then, oh, wait a minute. It's not that far down the road. At least it don't look like it. It, look, it looks like it's getting bigger. You know what? I, I trained for months and months on, I'm, I, okay, I, I'm, I'm gonna get this. I'm, I'm gonna run until I, till I hit the ground. I'm, I'm just push myself. I'm gonna just keep on going. Being a Christian is like that. Sometimes we just want to give up. We mean to each other sometimes, y'all. 
We're not the nicest people sometimes. Sometimes we, we get on each other's nerves. Sometimes I don't know what to say to you. You don't know what to say to me. But I'm your brother in Christ. We're family. We got to get over that. That's one thing I'll tell you about. Second thing is that if it was easy, everybody would do it, being a Christian. But not everybody's, y'all know everybody's not doing it. Everybody didn't do it on the day of Pentecost. There were more than 3,000 people. More than 3,000 people there. Not everybody did it. But it's so worth it because our goal is heaven, right? So let's strive together. We're going to have bumps and bruises, bruises sometimes, but let's strive together. You know what, brother, sister? Okay. You know what? Let's, let's forgive, as James talked about today. Let's move forward. We ain't having none of that in heaven. None of that is happening in heaven. You can really have that passion. Well, what can you do to really have that passion uh, for serving Christ or to relight that, that, that fire? You must determine not to let anything or anybody get in the way of you serving God. I'll assure you that there are things that will try to get in your way. You already know that. Some of those things may even be good things. There is nothing wrong with recreation and having fun. But I'm afraid that some of us have allowed fun, the eating, the relaxation to consume us. Let, don't let that be your goal in life. My family, family is a blessing that God has given to each and every one of us. But don't let family get in the way of you serving God and having that inward determination to put Christ first. Don't let anybody. I, I tell my probationers, I ain't letting nobody send, let me go. To, I'm not going to jail for you. I'm not going to hell for you either. Y'all understand that? You shouldn't go to hell for anybody else. Don't go, well, God, let them take my place. No, no. Mm-mm. I want I want to be in heaven. I want to take you with me. But if you're trying to hinder me from going to heaven, I'm have to, yeah. I'm, I'm trying to go to heaven. All of us have been blessed with ways and means of providing for our families. We have jobs that we can go to and we're thankful for them. But sometimes that job consumes so much of our time, so much of your life that don't, don't let that be what life is all about for you. You have to have that inward determination that says, no matter what, I'm going to put Christ first. I'm going to do my best to reach that goal of going to heaven. You have to look forward to the crown of reward that Jesus speaks about in Revelation 2.10. That crowning moment where we can hear the wonderful words of Jesus in Matthew 25.23. Enter into the joy of your Lord. When you do this, you will find yourself looking forward to a promise. Jesus said in John 14.3. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. That where I am, there you may be also. Let's think about our own individual lives. I want you to think about where you are right now as a Christian. I want you to think about and ask yourself, am I really happy with my dedication and my commitment to the Lord? Is my passion for God and for holy things what it ought to be? Am I using the um, God standard, his word, to measure my commitment by? Because, you know, sometimes when we say we're happy when I'm doing what God wants me to do, we measure that by what we think. But we need to measure it by the word. Ask yourself, 
Am I really bubbling over with zeal and enthusiasm to, uh, to serve Christ and being a Christian? If you're not, it may very well be the case that you need to reexamine yourself. Second Corinthians 13.5 says, Examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do, not, do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you? Unless indeed you are disqualified. Examine yourself. Family, take a long, hard look at your own life. Look at where you really are in your true commitment to the Lord right now. Do you really want to be where you are now? Have you become stagnant? Stagnant water isn't great. It isn't good for anything but mosquitoes, and you know we don't like those here. Do you need to spit, no, to pick yourself up and shake off the dust and maybe move forward to where you need to be as a Christian? We're here tonight to pray with you and assist you. I ask that you come forward this evening and, and, and be honest about where you are spiritually. Let us, your brothers and sisters in Christ, help you. Or maybe maybe you're sitting here tonight or you're online and you've never become a child of God. And it is our hope and prayer today that if you are not a Christian, you'll see the passion for serving God that Christians have. That people who appreciate what God is, has done for them can have and that you'll want to be a child of God today. The greatest question in the world when asked in Acts 16, 30-34 the Philippian jailer, when he had to take a quick and deep look at what was important in life, walked away asking this question. He brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? So they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes. And immediately he and all his family were baptized. Now when he had brought them into his house, he set food before them and he rejoiced, having believed in God with all his household. If you not repented and been baptized like those uh, we are told about in Acts 2, 36-38, I kindly ask you today, have you let God and the Bible answer that question for you? Are you a child of God? What are you waiting on? There's nothing else coming. Jesus has already come. There's nothing, nothing else. There's nothing else. There's only one way to God. The Bible says in Acts 18, 8, many of the Corinthians hearing, believed, and were baptized. Have you heard the message of hope in Christ that says in John eight twenty four? Therefore, I said to you that you will die in your sins. For if you do not believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. Do you really believe with all your heart that Jesus is the Son of God? Romans 10.10 10 and Romans 10.17 tells us how we can believe and hearing uh, how we hear the word of God. Upon that belief, would you make a commitment to turn from sin and turn to God? It talks about that in Luke 13.3. And would you do what they did on the day of Pentecost? Acts 2.38, Peter says, repent and be baptized for the remission of your sins. And if you've never obeyed the gospel, I urge you, we urge you to become a Christian today. And then if as a Christian, your passion for the Lord is not what it ought to be, let's each make a desire, a true desire to relight our passion for serving Christ.
Whatever you need, as you come, as we sing the invitational hymn. As the deer pants for the water, so my soul longs after thee. You are. 